He's a faithful God. And um, we sang a little bit more <clears throat> uh, than we usually do today, but we sang about as much as I wish we did every week. Um, the theme today in the music was God has been so faithful in the past, and we trust that he will be faithful for our future. And that's what we feel as a church. But can I say this this morning? In your life personally, God has been faithful to you. And if you believe God has been faithful to you in the past, then God will be faithful in the future. And I, man, that, that warms my heart uh, to know. I would like to acknowledge a couple of people before, and I'm, when I tell you that I have a short sermon today, now my father is here, and when he used to say that, he was lying. Alright? A sneak peek into my world, I'm a huge Duke fan. Every time there would be a Duke game, like on a Wednesday night, and he was doing Wednesday night Bible study, he's like, now, I'm like, Dad, you got to let us out early, please. Lord, i got to get home, I want to watch the game. And he's like, now, son, you know. And then subconsciously, I feel like he went longer just to make sure no one thought he went shorter. Right, Mom? You know. Don't, hey, don't stick up for him. I'm just kidding. Uh, I do appreciate my parents being here. I obviously would not be here if my parents, if not for my parents. But no, I appreciate their faithfulness in ministry. And, um, and they're here with us today, and I, I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for a couple of folks that are out walking right now, uh, but Mandy's here. Uh, Mandy, would you, would you stand in the back right there? Jeff is helping do our walkthrough this morning. Um, and then Aaron and Julia and Sarah, if you guys would stand. Make up our elder leadership of our church. And can we just thank them? <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. Jeff will be up at the end giving some announcements, and, and we'll thank him when he does. Um, but I appreciate that. You know, it's actually, I'm really glad, Mandy. What we, just, what we just showed here is that while things are going on up here, there's oftentimes other people that are back there doing things that none of us know about. That's exactly what our leaders do. And I appreciate them. And then the last group of people, and this, this group is not, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. If you were a part of Keystone Church on Charter Membership Sunday, that was January of 2018. All right, if you were a part, Keystone Church is a part of our charter membership. We took the big picture in the front, um, January of 2018. If you were a part of that, would you stand this morning? If you were a part of that, uh, the OGs, the OGs. All right, can we give, yeah, yeah, Sherry, yeah, there you go, give my hand, Justin. <laughs> Brian's very grateful that you guys clap for him. Um, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful. And so today we're celebrating um, God's goodness. We last week took some time to look back. We used the 12 stones analogy last Sunday to look back on what God had done for us. And that's what the children of Israel did when they crossed over the Jordan River with Joshua leading the way there. That was also the symbolism of the altar there, the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. There were those 12 stones, once again, a reminder of God's power. And we spoke about God's power um, in our church. And then there was the breastplate that Moses was given the instruction to prepare for Aaron and for the priest. And each of those, uh, those stones had a name, a specific name of a tribe attached to it. And we talked about the importance of people. And we said this last week, if we ever 
lose our focus on people, we have lost our focus on our purpose. So today we want to speak a little bit on this subject of pressing forward in faith. Pressing forward in faith. You see, we believe that God brought us here um, for the long haul uh, at Keystone Church. We believe that God did not plant this church for a blip on the map. We believe that God planted this church for sustainable ministry in this area, wherever that takes us. And that has taken us all over the place. But wherever that takes us. And so we're looking forward and pressing forward in faith today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians, the first chapter of the book of Philippians. This is a letter written by Paul to the church at Philippi. This letter was written, we just finished the book of Colossians. And then the book of Philemon. This letter was written around the same time, a prison epistle, while he was in Rome, while he was in bonds. Some believe house arrest, others believe in full imprisonment, it doesn't really matter. He was imprisoned, and he's writing letters to these churches. Now, Philippians is pretty unique because Philippians was a young church. Depending on who you study after, it was between five and ten years old, so a younger church. And this church did not have... A ton of problems. Now, I'm not here today to highlight church problems. I am just saying, if you've ever been a part of a church, you know that oftentimes what comes along with church and getting involved in church are church problems, issues. People are crazy. <laughs> Saved people are crazy. All right, church people are crazy. And oftentimes that comes over time, it comes over years. And sometimes the older a church gets, the more susceptible they are to having major issues to deal with inside the church. And so uh, that typically doesn't happen early on. And so I can say, uh, thank God that our church, while we're not perfect, our church, while we are not, while, while everybody in this church is not 100% of everything they ought to be, starting with its lead pastor, I can say that for five years we haven't had issues. We haven't had like crazy church fights and struggles and similarly here in the book of Philippians Paul spends many of his letters in the New Testament correcting serious issues the church in Corinth had inbreeding going on the church at Corinth had horrific things that you couldn't even imagine that I won't even speak about this morning that he corrected but in Philippians it's a young church And there aren't too many crazy problems. Thank the Lord. And so it's with that backdrop that I want us to understand today's encouragement from Paul and my encouragement to our church. Verse 27 says this. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. God, would you speak through your word? Holy Spirit, would you guide my thoughts and guide my words? And would you encourage us today from your word? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you three truths from this text. One of my favorite all-time verses of Scripture this morning. 
I want to give you three truths that I believe will help change your life. And if we put it in context of the church, how it could change our church. I want us to see, first of all, this morning, to live, the instruction is to live in the grace of the gospel. To live in the grace of the gospel. Look at the beginning of the verse that we're going to, the text from this morning. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. If I may this morning, that makes me a little nervous. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I know what the gospel cost. I know what Jesus had to do. I know the price that he paid. I know the sinner that I was. I mean, I know the sinner that some of you were. (laughs) And I know the price that had to be paid. And Paul instructs the church at Philippi to let their conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And and i got to be honest with you. Our conduct in and of itself can never be worthy of the gospel of Christ. But God has called us to partake in and to live in this word, and it's called grace. It's God giving us something we didn't deserve. We don't need to perform for his approval this morning. We don't need to check off a spiritual checklist this morning. Jesus has already performed in our place. He has already checked off every box that needed to be checked off in our lives. He has already done every possible thing that could please the Father. Jesus has already done it. And he gave us grace. He gave us unmerited favor. He gave us what we did not deserve, and that was this abundant life. This life of living in the truth that he died for us, that he was buried, and that he rose again to give us victory. And Paul says, live in a manner that's worthy of that. Live in a manner that magnifies what Jesus has done in transforming our lives. Live in that manner. And so I ask you this morning, do you live your life in a way that magnifies what Jesus has done in your life? The way that you interact with your co-workers, is that a way of magnifying how Jesus has transformed your life. In the way that you deal with your family members, yes, even that one. Even the crazy uncle who may or may not be in attendance this morning. I don't know. How many of you are the crazy uncle? I'm just kidding. There we go. There we go. We got a couple that would admit it. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Now we're about to have, I'm about to just stop and have an altar call. A crazy uncle altar call. More people come forward than ever. How about that person that you interact with that you've been friends with for a while? That gets under your skin? That's mistreated you? That you've heard they said this, that, or the other about you? Do we live our lives in a manner in which the gospel of Jesus is glorified? 
And as, as a church, I pray that we would be a church 100% committed this morning to living our lives in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, what's the, what's the, 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 the possibility here? What could we do? What would be the what way in which we would not do this? Well, Paul addresses it in Romans 6 in the first two verses. He, he speaks of abusing the grace of God. And he says in verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? In fact, Romans chapter 5, Paul highlights the beautiful unmerited grace of God. And he speaks to the fact that we were all sinners, verse 12, because of Adam. He speaks in verse 8 of, of, of Jesus coming and showcasing, God showcasing his love through Jesus. He speaks all of chapter 5 of the beautiful grace of God through Jesus. And then he says in chapter 6, hold on a minute. Don't you take that grace and make it your get out of hell free card. Don't you take that grace and live like hell and think you're going to heaven. Don't you take that grace. Don't you do it. I, got, I, I, I worked the word hell into the sermon, Karen. I told you I was going to do that at the beginning. Don't live like the devil and claim the grace of Jesus. That's what Paul says. And may I say this way, may, may, may we be a church, as Tim mentioned, a pure church, a holy church, that doesn't mean we're holier than thou. That doesn't mean we look down on people. No, but that, what it does mean is this, Keystone Church, that we're serious about what God wants to do in our lives, and we're serious about living for him. And as we press forward five years behind us, and however long God has for us ahead of us, may we live in this truth this morning. May we live in the grace of the gospel. That when others look at us, whether it be as a church broadly or when others look at us individually they say there's something different about them and I can't put my finger on it but there's something different secondly this morning we're moving right along in a minute you're going to start smelling the food and you're going to shut down so I'm, I'm, I'm blazing through secondly so first of all we want to live in the grace of the gospel secondly this morning from this text we want to live unified in the Holy Spirit we want to live unified in the Holy Spirit. Look at the next portion of the text. It says that you stand fast in one spirit. Now if you look, obviously your spirit could be your attitude. Right? If it's like, for my grammar people, if it's like the little s spirit, right? It could be like your spirit as a human, right? Like our spirits, the spiritual side of us, our attitude, the way that we deal with things. But this, this word spirit here is actually referring to God's Holy Spirit, not our spirit. So it's actually referring, so we could say that you stand fast in the, in the one Holy Spirit. So Paul is encouraging the church, and I am encouraging you this morning, that we need to be a church that would stand unified and spirit-filled. Unified and spirit-filled. I love what, what Shauna said, and she's out, I think, serving right now. I love what Shauna said in the video, that we are a Holy Spirit-filled church. And man, I pray we never lose being a Holy Spirit-filled church. If you don't want to be a part of a church that's 
passionate, or if you want to be a part of a church that's passionate about worshiping, passionate about preaching, passionate about serving, passionate about outreach, then we could be the church for you if you don't have a church. Because we want to live unified and spirit-filled. And if I may this morning take a little bit of liberty here in this portion of the text. I believe over the last two years, this is a journey the Lord has led. I know over the last few years it's been leading me. And I believe has allowed me to lead us down this journey over the last couple of years of a proper and biblical understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. His fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. His gifts, the gifting of the Spirit. And His purpose in the world. Those are all extremely important to us as we move forward in faith as a church. But I want to continue to encourage us in this manner this morning. May we continue to be a church that is spirit-filled and word-centered. Listen to me this morning. May we be a church that is spirit-filled but word-centered. Since he's here today, I'll quote him, and I'm not sure if he even remembers this quote, but I remember this quote from my dad. Make sure when the Holy Spirit gets you to jump up, stand up and shout, that when you land, you're pointed in the right direction. You don't remember saying that, do you? You did. I got it in my notes. Um, Mom must have wrote that sermon, Uh, but I'm just kidding. And listen, if we're not careful this morning, and I'm I'm just going to go here. Okay, we're all family. If you're here for the first time, man, you're part of the family. Listen, it is very easy for a church to become word-centered, 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 word-centered. Word-centered, 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 word-centered. Oh, there's the Holy Spirit. Who's that? Okay? And I'm not going to act out this other one. But there's other churches... That are so spirit-filled, 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 spirit-filled. You wonder if Jesus ever made his way in. Because it's so spirit-filled, 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 spirit-filled. It's like, have you ever heard of the Bible? And my heart, my heart is that while we stand on this word, and this word is our firm foundation and our final authority for everything that we do, that the Holy Spirit fills us as we stand on this word, and we passionately worship, and we passionately praise Jesus, and we passionately win people to Jesus, we passionately baptize people, and serve people, and love people, but we're standing on the foundation of the word. And listen, we will not be a church that uses the Holy Spirit of God to lead us outside of the word of God. Because God's spirit never leads us outside of his word. May we be word-centered. May we be spirit-filled. May it not be either or. We're either a word-centered church or a spirit-filled church. May we be a both-and church. Both-and. Holy Spirit-filled and word-centered. May we be a beautiful balance. May God grant us the grace this morning to be a beautiful balance of God's word and God's spirit because they, hand in hand, as guardrails in our Christian life, will keep us down the path that I believe God has called us to for the future of this church. Thirdly, I want us to see this. So first of all, we want to live in the grace of the gospel. Secondly, we want to live unified in the Holy Spirit. 
By the way, the, the Holy Spirit inside of me will minister to the Holy Spirit inside of you, and we will have a common bond. I truly believe that if we're word-centered. You ever been around somebody and your spirit didn't sit well with them? I believe that's the Lord giving us. Anyway, that's not what the sermon's about. But I want to live unified in the Holy Spirit. Hey, it's, it's the fifth year anniversary, man. Give me a free pass one day. All right, here we go. Thirdly, and very importantly, as we close, back in our text, live unified with a mission mindset. With a mission mindset. With one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So we've said that we are to live like we've been transformed by the gospel. Worthy of the gospel. We are to do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. But what is our actual purpose? Are we just supposed to exist together in community like that? What is our common goal? What is our purpose? And Paul tells us here it is to work together. It is to strive together. It is to become on the same team together. In one accord, as scripture says, together. Why? For the faith of the gospel. Why? For the furtherance of the gospel. Why? For the proclamation of the gospel this morning. We are to work together to spread the beautiful truth that Jesus Christ died for sinners, was buried, and rose again. The good news. We are to work together to give that good news to every person that comes in contact with us. Whether by our words or by our actions. Every meal we provide to Club Boulevard Elementary School, to those teachers, to those families, to those students. Every time we serve that principal and her staff. Every time we partner with Prison Alliance, which we're going to be doing here in the next few weeks on book drives or serving at Prison Alliance. Every time that we have an outreach event like Tents and Treats coming up on October 31st, and we want you to be a part of that. Every time we do an outreach event, every single thing we do, everything has the foundational goal of spreading the good news of the gospel to a world that is so desperately in need of it. You say... How in the world, how in the world can us putting some tents out here and giving some candy to kids on Halloween night, how in the world could that help? Well, you never know because there's a family who's not been able to be here for a few weeks, but their first introduction to our church was last year at Tents and Treats. Mission mindset. As you walk to your car, Nate, after church on a Sunday, 14 months ago. Hey, Kathy. And Kathy's walking her dog. And they just strike up a conversation. And 14 months later, Kathy's in our church. Some of you may know her as Sally. But she's Kathy. It's the gospel. It's the purpose. And it may not be directly. We may not say, here's your kid's candy. You're going to hell if you don't receive Jesus. That's not the way we do it. And it may be a relationship building. It may be over time and over time and over time. 
But at the end of the day, the foundational goal of everything that we do here must be centered on the mission that Jesus gave to us. And that mission in Mark 16, 15 said, and he said to, go, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Mark chapter 1, uh, in verse 14 and 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The foundational value of our church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I close this morning, I ask you, have you partaken in the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you encountered the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, I'd be remiss today to preach that sermon and highlight that text and not share with you the details and not give you an opportunity to respond this morning. You see, if there's one thing that we absolutely love is that Randall and Abby Reagan found Jesus. It's that uh, Blair McGloon, who couldn't be here today because she had a death in the family unexpectedly a month ago, trusted Jesus. It's that many of your kids have been baptized here. It's that Laura Murphy was baptized here. It's that Cody was baptized, not here, in the lake. Ain't that right, Cody? That was a real baptism, bro. Listen, it's all about the gospel. And what is the gospel? It's good news, but it starts with bad news. The good news starts with bad news, and that is that you and I are sinners. We were born that way. The Bible says for all of sin in Romans chapter 3. We all know this. We all know the story of the Garden of Eden. And that sin was passed down and passed down and passed down. Romans 5 tells us that because of Adam's sin, that we were born with a sinful nature is what we call it. We naturally sin. I shared this with you last Sunday. I'm going to share it with you again. That we naturally sin and of ourselves. As little kids, we're professional sinners. Your kid, you don't want to hear this. Your kid is a sinner. Your kid was born a sinner, a little disobedient son or daughter. If you don't believe me, just tell them what to do and see what happens. So there's a problem here because a holy, perfect God who knows no sin, who cannot even look on sin, created us and we, in our fallen nature and our flesh, we're sinners. So there's an irreconcilable difference there. There's a holy God who cannot look on sin, who cannot be in the presence of sin. And there, there we as creation, who want so desperately a relationship with our creator, but sin, there's a big gulf in between, and that gulf is sin. The Bible says it this way in Romans 6, that the wages or the payment or what we earn for our sin is death. That's not just a physical death, which we will all face. It's that second death, that that spiritual death, that eternal separation from our creator and creation in a place called hell. Someone had to pay. Someone has to pay for my sin and someone has to pay for your sin. And the truth is this morning I'm here to tell you, if you'd like to pay for your own sin, you can. If you'd like to pay for your own sin, you can. But Romans 5 tells us, but God, 
demonstrated, showcased His love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus came and He lived a perfect life. The life that you couldn't live and the life that I could not live. The perfect life. He died on the cross and He died the death that you deserved and that I deserved to die. Because why? The wages or payment of sin is death. I deserve to pay my own penalty. And Jesus died for me. When he hung up on that cross, as we have symbolized here beautifully in our auditorium, as he hung up on that cross, unable to be recognized as a man, and shed his blood, perfect and holy blood for our sins, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That is the beauty of the gospel. And Jesus did that for you. And we've already read the verse. But Jesus was very clear on what we need to do. Can I read his words again? In Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what was that? What was the gospel? And he says this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. What do you need to do? Repent and believe the gospel. You need to change your mind, and your heart. Some of you have been trusting, you may not word it this way, but you've been trusting in being a good person, living a good life, your rights outweighing your wrongs, donating to charity, volunteering in the community. You've been trusting all these good things, and those are good things. But they'll never add up, because they're coming from a sinful heart. And we're trusting in those things and those actions and Jesus said we must repent of those things. We must turn from those things. All those things that we are trusting in for a relationship with God, we must repent and we must believe. We must believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus. We must believe in Jesus and Jesus only. He wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to buy you back. Here's what he wants to do. The gulf, the vast gulf between creation, us, and creator, Jesus, wants to bridge that gap for you. He did it for me. He's done it for many people in this room. But you know what we had to do? We were going our own way. We were living our own life, doing our good deeds. We had to repent. And we had to believe. We had to believe. And I ask you this morning, have you believed in Jesus, or are you still holding on to how good you can be, the works you can do, the fact that you were raised in church, the fact that you memorized verses in Sunday school, the fact that you know what brother and sister means and you speak Christianese fluently? What are you trusting in? If it's anything more than Jesus, I invite you today to leave it behind to repent and to believe on the name of the Son of God. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. 
Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.